0: hi everyone and welcome to let's talk about it a podcast with a purpose i'm your host molly and this week we are covering another topic within our wild and exotic animal welfare campaign it's a bit of a tongue twister and this week we are looking at what we're going to be calling the zoo dilemma now we're calling it the zoo dilemma because while zoos can have some benefits there is definitely enough cause to question if there are enough of those benefits to outweigh the harm and I think we all know all too well that some places are hiding under the guise of being a zoo or a place that cares for animals when in reality it is just exploiting, neglecting, and in some instances even abusing them. So let's talk about it. want to start with just a little bit of history because the origin of the zoo i think is actually really important for our conversation today some of this you may have heard before but according to national geographic the first modern zoo originated in france in about 1793 and i'm saying modern zoo because there is even some evidence To suggest that capturing and owning exotic animals goes back even like thousands of years but we're not going back that far uh anyway the modern zoo in 1793 wasn't exactly a zoo like you may be thinking of it really was just rich people's private collections of wild and exotic animals and if you're like me the first thing you probably thought was Why did rich people have collections of wild and exotic animals? Because honestly, like I cannot think of a good reason. And when you start to like do some Googling about it, there really wasn't one. It seems like wealthy individuals have just like always used exotic animals as a status symbol for a really long time. And there are so many instances of celebrities, for example, obtaining wild animals the same way, kind of like the way they just are buying luxury shoes and bags. I saw one NPR article that specifically was saying there was like a weird trend with wealthy people and celebrities buying pet lions during the pandemic. I don't know, I guess they were just bored but most zoos that we think of today are not like this you know you probably think of wild animals in different types of enclosures that are as close to their natural habitat as possible a place where you can go and see and learn about the animals that live there and this is true in some regard there are plenty of organizations that follow standards and regulations in order to keep the animals safe and healthy the animal welfare act is the primary guide for zoos and aquariums and places like that. But as we talked about in our last episode, it has plenty of limitations. It specifically does not apply to animals that are not, quote, Warm blooded, which, like we mentioned in our last episode, leaves out plenty of animals that can still suffer. And that's just one of the ways that it falls short when it comes to protecting these animals. Remember that it also allows for the use of abusive tools like whips. And overall, it just sets the bar too low when it comes to the well being of these animals. And for a place that is supposed to care for animals, it just feels so cheap that they can point to a document that honestly is essentially meaningless and they they point to it and they say that they are doing what they should be but it's like so 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 the bare minimum and honestly not even enough that it just it just doesn't feel right And it's not to say that every zoo out there abuses animals. That simply isn't true. But even under the best conditions, there is something to be said for the captivity. So we're going to use the San Diego Zoo for an example. It's the largest in the United States. And according to the National Geographic, on just 100 acres, which is 0.4 square kilometers, if that helps you reference it a little bit better. But just on 100 acres, 0.4 square kilometers, it contains over four Thousand animals some of which are large animals like polar bears that in the wild would be traveling over 30 kilometers in just one day so for me personally it's it's just hard to believe that it's okay to keep perfectly healthy and capable animals in such small confinements when they would be living on such a larger piece of land otherwise and i'm not talking about animals that maybe have been injured i'm talking about perfectly capable and healthy animals that do not need to be living in confinement so let's talk about some of the other quote benefits of zoos major pillars of the modern zoo are that they help with conservation and education so i want to talk about this a little bit and let's start with the education component first the belief is that educating the public, particularly educating children will help them have more of like a connection to the wild animal that they are seeing by seeing them in person and seeing them in something that resembles the animal's natural habitat. You know, therefore they care more about the animal and they will be more inspired to act just overall in ways that are caring and instead of harmful. Now, I think this idea makes sense in theory. However, it has its faults and it doesn't really play out that way. One study that I found showed only about one-third of students who visited a zoo actually displayed any sort of positive educational outcome. It mostly had no impact on the children at all who visited the animals in this same study and another one like it there were even some findings of negative outcomes when the visits were unguided like when people and children were just going around doing whatever without you know a tour guide or someone who knows about the animals and can teach them and i mean any time i've ever been to a zoo i've never had a tour guide i feel like most people who go are going unguided and you know going back to the studies we could also be seeing these results because the animals aren't really in their natural habitat and more than anything it's just sad to see them locked up and when children are just observing without guidance they come away from the experience without any education and even misunderstandings of what they are seeing So with all of that in mind, can we really say that zoos are helping educate the public and change the way that we as a society view and treat the animals? I honestly don't know that it is, but I do also want to talk about the conservation component. There are examples where different zoos have helped with increasing numbers of certain endangered species and have had a really positive impact. One example of this is the Toledo Zoo, and they helped with conserving and even breeding the carner blue butterfly. However, when we start to think about this a little bit more, with a lot of like other species that are born in captivity or have spent extended time in it. Like if they got an injury and then, you know, we're put in a rehab center and you know, they weren't born there, but they'd spent a lot of time in captivity, especially with larger mammals that we often see in zoos, like, you know, tigers or bears or whatever. It's not as simple as just releasing them back into the wild. It's often a much more difficult process that is often unsuccessful. And many wild animals in zoos aren't even endangered species in the first place. So like, why keep them there? Why breed them there? Like I said, when you really start to poke at these little holes, it starts to feel more and more like it just doesn't make sense. But I honestly do not want you to walk away from this episode convinced that every zoo and the concept of a zoo is evil and they should all be abolished and closed today. I do not think it is that simple and I truly don't think that is the answer. I read an interesting article that said, in a way something like a zoo or rehab center for wild animals is almost necessary. And now you may not believe that we have an obligation to help animals when they are sick or injured. I personally don't agree with that. I think we do have an obligation, especially when we play such a role in the harm on the planet and other species that live here. Like we are causing such an impact that I I do think we have an obligation and in general, I believe in choosing kindness and empathy always, whether it's another human or not. And I think that if you also believe this, then you will see what I mean when I say that in some ways zoos or rehab centers, something like that are always going to be necessary because we are always going to have injured animals endangered species whatever that need rehab and need a place to be that can't always be released back into the wild and they still deserve happy and healthy lives and i think that this is where truly caring rehab facilities or zoos or whatever can step in and make a huge difference but that definitely does not look like keeping species that aren't endangered or animals that have not been injured in captivity just for the sake of exploiting them for profit by providing entertainment to the public. Because I think at the end of the day, many zoos that claim they're educating and conserving and doing all of this good stuff really are just providing entertainment so they can make money, which feels a lot like what we saw going on back in 1793 when rich people just kept them for fun. And unfortunately, we know that in the world of zoos, it gets much worse. You've probably watched Tiger King or something like it, so you know what I'm talking about. And there are thousands of these roadside zoos that exist in the United States today, like right now, subjecting animals to abuse, neglect, and simply put, like just horrible lives. These are privately owned collections of animals that are most often in even worse conditions than a zoo that is regulated by the government, like so much worse. The cages or confinements that they're in are much smaller and often little to no attempt to make it similar to their natural habitat at all. It's dirty, they aren't fed well, they don't get proper veterinary care, and sometimes they're even abused like we see sometimes in the Tiger King documentary. And aside from all the horror, That's not even mentioning the huge public safety risk that these private collections pose. There are so many instances of people's private collections, the animals in those collections escaping on accident, or people releasing them on purpose. You're probably familiar with the Ohio man who intentionally released his 56 animals, which included lions, tigers, bears, and wolves, all of which had to be hunted by the local law enforcement. And these people and places are able to get by partly because of the lack of regulations and laws that apply to these situations they pretend to be sanctuaries or rescue centers or whatever and it's nothing more than exploitation for profit there really isn't much more to say about it there's no gray area in these types of situations like with the other zoos that we talked about earlier it's just horrible and honestly it makes my blood Boil, seeing the pictures in what these just like sweet little innocent animals are forced to suffer through. And I know I use the term roadside zoo, but there are many other names for it. Sanctuary, rehab, rescue, and probably even more. But no matter what they are calling it, you will know it when you see it. And It's so frustrating that they pretend to be sanctuaries that care because it just isn't true and no animal deserves to suffer for even the slightest bit of entertainment. So, That brings me to some actions because we really can do something about this. And it really starts like always by showing these places that we will not support them with our dollars. You work hard for your money and you and, or the animals do not deserve to hand it over to these horrible people that could not care less about the animals that they are claiming to help and protect. Hi all, editing Molly here. Sorry to pop in a little abruptly, but I meant to say that there is a list on, it does come from PETA. Again, I know maybe we have some mixed feelings about them, but I do want to include this list so it will be linked. And it's also in the YouTube video if you're watching over there, but it is just um, all of these different exhibits that have been confirmed to be, just horrific in some way. I'm not really sure how else to say it. It's just different roadside zoos and other places like that, petting zoos, things that you really just want to avoid. So again, you'll know it if you see it, but I did want to include this list uh, because I thought it would be helpful and just help you avoid them at all costs. And like I say a lot in uh, a lot of other episodes, when people do things for money and we take away that money, take away that demand, they won't do it. There's no benefit for them to operate a roadside zoo if they aren't going to make money. So just avoid anything that looks or feels wrong. Like I said, you will know, trust your gut. There is no place that allows for human-animal interactions that is ethical. So just avoid them altogether. And like with a lot of these problems too, there is the bigger issue of needing better legislation for protecting these wild animals, both the ones that are in federally regulated zoos and the ones that are privately owned. Because honestly, I don't even think privately owned should fall under that, like it shouldn't even be a thing. So vote, write letters and donate when you can and I think that I have found an organization I feel comfortable raising funds for. They have been a great resource while I've been researching for the past couple of months, and I feel confident with the work that they do, and that is the Animal Legal Defense Fund. I will have um, them linked where I can, Uh, but you can always, of course, it'll be on our website, uh, Letstalkpod.org. But they bring so much awareness and also help on a legal level, which is so important, especially for people like you and me who want to be making a difference, but we can't have as much of an impact on the legal level. But this is a legal team that does fight for those legal changes. So supporting them supports changing that changing those laws as well so you can donate directly to them you can donate through project alleviate like i said i'll have it linked you can go to our website or not at all again please don't ever feel like you can't make a difference just because you can't financially like we talked about just a couple minutes ago you can have a huge impact in those other ways so as always please only donate if you can And before we wrap up the episode, I just wanted to say, you know, everything we talked about today is just in the United States. It's just what we know about. There's so much horror that happens in secret. So much of this that happens all over the world. It can feel really overwhelming, but all we can do is what we can do. And I know that that sounds cheap, but it is the truth we can't stop bad people from being bad people but we can avoid supporting them avoid supporting them with our dollars and we can make it harder for them to get away with it by demanding better legislation that work and like i mentioned please go to our website letstalkpod.org to learn more or email us directly with any questions at lettalkaboutitpod at gmail.com. That uh, contact information is also on our website. But thank you all so much for listening and we will be back with another episode soon.